Hello and welcome to Ben and Brand See a Movie, the show where Ben and Brand see movies. This week, Branson is not joining me, but I have a loyal uh, guest slash probably at this point getting close to co-host with me. Yeah, I'll take it. Chris Harris. Hey, thanks for having me, Ben. And Happy to be back. Chris, I'm really excited to be yeah. talking about this specific movie, Get Out. Mm-hmm. This is a movie that if we could talk about it three times on this podcast, I would talk about it three times on this podcast. I think we could have three three like times worth to talk about. I, th- I think we could too. Let me move this chair because it's a little squeaky. <laughs> uh, so anyway, I've already spoiled the movie we're talking about today. We are talking about the 2017 Jordan Peele directed and written film, Get Out. Five years ago? Five years ago. February of 2017. He's and coming out with his third his movie. third movie. And that's why we are talking about mm-hmm. Get Out this week in particular. Because Nope's coming out uh, on the day of recording this, which is the 20th. It comes out tomorrow, the 21st. Mm-hmm. I have our tickets, which I forgot to tell you. I bought our tickets oh, earlier go. today. Go. Uh, we're going to see it Thursday night. I'm so I'm so hyped for this movie. I just I kind of can't believe Jordan Peele is who he is. Mm-hmm. Like in the sense that he just keeps putting out these movies, and they keep. I mean, I guess I shouldn't say like keeps. He's only done three so far, mm-hmm. but he's put out three movies. Nope's getting incredible reviews. I've been kind of shocked i thought this was going to be a little bit more divisive i thought this was going to be the film that maybe we saw lower rotten tomatoes you know as a director develops and they decide to Mm -hmm. do more bold and ambitious things they take swings that don't always hit Mm -hmm. the fact that it's sitting at pretty damn good reviews right now the fact that people are pretty excited about that the fact that i'm already hearing kiki palmer's name for an oscar nomination that's crazy is crazy yeah, I, I I think one of the things that's made me really hype is that although the trailer, like, we look like we know what's going to happen, it also is very vague at the same time, and I like that a lot. It has the, the audience really, like, itching for more going into the movie, and the movie's runtime is, like, a little bit over two hours, right, or something like that. I think it's, like, 2.15 or something 2.11 like or something like that. I think I saw it, and I am just, like... I just have very high expectations and you know, I think that those are reasonably set though. Yeah. And I think the thing I'm most excited for, and it was something I was talking to you about a few Mm -hmm. days ago was the idea that even if this movie is bad, I'm going to respect the movie. Yeah, Like there's something about the craft that Peel brings into a movie that it's just admirable. Mm -hmm. Like us for its issues, which I, I love Us. Us might be actually my favorite Peel film. Didn't you say you liked Us more rewatching it than Get Out, but you just watched Get Out again and you really, really enjoyed it? Yeah, I think the thing that I really respond to in Us is just, one, you can see the bigger budget of the film. Mm-hmm. You really get to see his scale and his direction. I think Get Out is the better script and the better story. I think Us is the more impressive directorial effort, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. And I'm I'm just, like I said, I'm really excited for this. I think he's one of the most interesting guys working in Hollywood. I mean, he's a modern day Twilight Zone storyteller. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. He's telling these incredible science fiction slash horror slash thriller slash social commentaries in these films. Mm -hmm. And unlike some other films that try that, I think Peel's, the way he delivers social commentary is much more 
impressionable to me mm. than let's say a movie like I'm trying to think of a recent one. Don't look up for mm -hmm. instance, which mm -hmm. is a movie I think misses its mark a lot of the times on okay. its social commentary. Mm -hmm. I think what he does so well in this movie is he has a real purpose to it and it feels very controlled and really thought out where a lot of other times I feel like it can just be a lot of anger but no control and mm -hmm. and the directors can sometimes lose it in themselves to not edit their sure. voice. And I think Peel does that really well where he's mm -hmm. willing to like, you know, get out's an only an hour and 45 minute movie. That's a pretty short movie. Yeah. Oh God. I just, I, I need to rewatch both them. I've watched get out more recently than us. Mm -hmm. um, but I think get out, I would agree with your take that I think us Ooh. is the stronger directorial, like, it has a stronger directorial image in it, mm -hmm. but I think get out is a something like, if you think back to the movies we've seen this year, everything everywhere all at once is like, was is the most unique movie. I think I've seen probably this year, maybe the last five years. Mm -hmm. I thought the same way with get out, you know, where it's like, wow, like his, his image he had for the movie was just like bar none, something you've never seen before. Yeah. And it just was like, you left that movie theater going, what the fuck did I just watch? Like that was insane. And what he does so well is he also plays with the tropes and established themes of horror and thriller. Oh, yeah, so you can see him paying homage to other directors like Hitchcock, uh, like uh, Kubrick, all of them in this movie. Mm -hmm. And it allows it to feel familiar, which then gets us on board for some of the weirder aspects of this movie, because this film does get really, it could get muddled down in the storytelling really quickly. Like there is a lot you have to develop, especially when you start getting to the science fiction element of get mm -hmm. out where, you know, you start seeing the true reveals of the family. Sure. That can get really mumbo jumbo really quick. And I think he sets up the lore really well in this movie. I think it's less successful in us, but again, I found us a little bit more cinematic, if yeah. that makes sense. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But with that all said, let's just get the film historian out of the way. Get Out is a 2017 horror film written, directed, and co-produced by Jordan Peele. This marks the directorial debut of Jordan Peele. The film stars Daniel Kaluuya, Allison Williams, Bradley Whitford, Stephen Root, Catherine Keener, Lulrao Howery, Lakeith Stanfield and a bunch of other people within this film. Did you notice it was Steven Root, the guy from who plays Fuchs in uh, Barry? Oh, yeah, no, no, I did. Yeah. So when I watched yeah, yeah. Barry, I'm mm -hmm. like, why do I recognize yeah, him? No, and exactly. then when I saw this movie, I'm like, oh, that's right. See, he doesn't get out. I don't remember his name, mm. but I remember w watching the first season of Barry and I go, he looks familiar. And I realized he was one of the bitters. Yeah, the he's the he's the blind. The guy that wants you, I want your eyes, man. So Get Out follows a young black man who uncovers a shocking secret when he meets the family of his white girlfriend. It is produced by Blumhouse Pictures and is distributed by Universal Pictures. Mm hmm. Uh, this film premiered at Sundance at, on January 2017, and it released theatrically, geez, theoret theatrically, oh, theatrically yeah. in the United States on February 24, 2017. I could not speak there. And upon release, Get Out was huge. It had widespread acclaim for its screenplay, direction, and acting. It made uh, $33.4 million on a $4.5 million budget. Mm -hmm. 
And it ended up grossing $255 million in its total gross, which is a pretty crazy number. This film has a lot of impact for a lot of reasons. Uh, it's a very important film about representation. It has a lot. And of course, it then becomes a big Oscar uh, nominee the following year for the 2017 Oscars, which we'll get into that okay. all a little later. Cool. But with that all said, let's get into the hill to die on to just start this conversation. Mm -hmm. And here's my hill to die on, which is, I think, a very straight, simple hill to die on. But I also believe it pretty passionately. Get Out is the cleverest, most relevant, and most entertaining screenplay of the 21st century thus far. Mm -hmm. Interesting. That's my that's my hill. I believe that this does so much right, and its story is so unique, but it also is able to tell something much larger than itself while never losing itself in its mm -hmm. kind of cultural relevance. It's able to tell a story that is cohesive and just pretty damn entertaining. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I think if I had like, I'll, if I'll, I'll go a different route, I mm -hmm. think. One thing, if I had to sum it up in one sentence, I would just say, like, Get Out is more like, it, it's just like, I don't even know how to put it to words. It's like, get leaving the theater of Get Out is is just, like, what the fuck? Like, I don't really know what else to say. Like, that movie, like, again, I had to watch it three times. But I think you, you hit it right on the money. It has so much cultural relevance to what's going on today and so mm -hmm. much with representation and, and racism and everything. And I think that like it is it the way that he was able to tie satire, comedic relief, timing, everything into that movie while like si tying it up in a bow at the very end of it was just it's almost like it's so impressive that I can't even put words to it. I just like don't have words like that's it, how crazy it is. Yeah. And it's a it's a film that is very political in nature, mm -hmm. but it never feels like it's talking down to the audience exactly. or it never feels like Peel is saying, I'm smarter than you. There are a few scenes in the film that had they been performed or written a little bit differently. Exactly. I think there's a smugness to the film yeah. that doesn't work. This film can't be smug. Exactly. And the thing is like to go back to what you said about the script of Get Out is that it never directly they never directly say anything like controversial outright in the script by any means. It's all like hinted at or like they make jabs at it and they quickly go off of it. Or like, it's just like, it's never just like in your face controversy. Mm. It is just like so effortlessly like laid out on like a thin line and it's just so well done. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, you'd never seen anything like that before. And I was like, just really shocked leaving the theater again. Like I just thought it was awesome. Yeah. And I think, the thing that you're getting at is that this film is so visually well-directed that a lot of its story comes within the actual images on screen. Mm -hmm. For instance, like the most notable image is probably when the police car pulls up at the end. That's a pretty obvious message yeah. that it's delivering. Yep. And that's supposed to enact a certain feeling from its audience. Mm -hmm. That's a point of just great storytelling right yeah. there. Because again, a, a, not even a lesser director, but I think a nut with the hands of another writer, mm -hmm. that scene could have felt very spoken aloud. Like yeah. this is what's happening. Yeah, I I remember. Mm -hmm. Well, well, to like to piggyback off what you said, I think one scene that had me feeling that way as well was the scene where they pull up to the house for the first time. I forget Daniel K. Lewis' character's name. Uh, Chris. Yeah, Chris. Okay. Well, yeah, Chris. <laughs> and I think the girl's name is Rosie, right? 
Rose. Oh, Rose, Rose, right? Okay, so that's funny. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's funny satire. Um, get out. Yeah. Get... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so like when they pull up to the the uh, Rose's house for the first time, and he sees all of the 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 yard yard person, the landscaper, and the maid are both you know black. That like really set the message right when they got to the house. Like he was like thrown off and didn't really know what to understand. And I was like, okay, it's gonna be like this. You yeah, know? and there's a lot of scenes like in that first scene. Since we're just on the topic right now, there's so many lines in that beginning where you're just getting the tone of the film right mm -hmm. away. There's so many just like casual lines, and they have to be casual because it's all casual mm -hmm. racism. This film does not address like I think the notion of what we see as racism. No, I think what exactly what, essentially what this film is critiquing is white liberalism, mm -hmm. where it's this idea of like, oh yeah, well the only ones who are racist are the ones who are clearly racist. Yeah. The ones who are like going out there exactly. w waving the Confederate flags, walking around with Nazi symbols, like all that stuff. Yeah. Like that's not who this film's exactly. Targeting. And the thing is like obviously if you haven't seen the film like we're spoiling it, but mm. it's like at the end of the movie, you know there's a lot of science fiction that goes into it, obviously. And a lot of it is just like, they, they want like the black people's abilities, like their, their like athleticism, whatever it might be, their eyesight, something along those lines. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it like tones it away from like racism in a very interesting way. And something that's like almost like a twist in essence mm -hmm. where it's like, who thinks of that? But Jordan Peele, you know? Well, I think that's also the thing of us just being, white mm -hmm. where it's just like there is a exactly. disconnection with us that we don't yep. have these types of experiences mm -hmm. where someone who does live that life every day who lives being black in mm -hmm. america they're going to feel certain scenes within this exactly. movie so there's like certain lines throughout this movie where it's like you know when the dad says i would have voted for obama yep. three times mm -hmm. thus i'm not racist he doesn't say thus i'm not racist exactly but it's so implied that exactly that's what i'm saying like when they like all want their natural abilities of like you know athleticism whatever it is it never fully addresses that it literally just like they just like say it very like subconsciously or like under the like under the belt like it's just like very it's like, it's casual right yeah, like, exactly it's so casual and everything it's the stuff that people and we are often can also say just every day that we don't perceive as being racist, but have racist undertones because of the system that it's built. Mm -hmm. And also just our notions of whiteness slash yeah. blackness and how it can, uh, how we interact with that. Yeah. And I like, cause there's so many lines in there. Like there's so many lines that are so blatantly racist yet. You hear them all the time in just, yeah topics of conversation like black being trendy is what yeah. one of the characters says there's a there's one quote where it, the one that just comes to mind immediately is when daniel k lua chris goes to the the landscaper and he's like it's good to have another brother around and then the guy just like he doesn't say anything along those lines and he was like really thrown off yeah because it's like, a white guy reacting exactly. to like that and they yeah, don't know exactly how to. it's so it's so genius yeah you know? and it's because it's all about the body what this movie does is again what I think the common argument would be for a more conservative racism, the more traditional racism as we see it. Mm -hmm. uh, in essence, the exact opposite of the white liberal is racism, which this movie is addressing. Again, it's so outward. It's so, uh, they're so dehumanizing uh, that that's how their approach is. This one's almost a fetish, fetish of the black body. I mean, there's so many scenes that are just playing 
uh, on that notion. I mean, one of the most overt ones in this film is just the idea of the older white woman going up to Kaluuya mm -hmm. and saying like, oh, well, you're you're good down there or something like that, implying yeah. like, you know, the racist stereotype of that behind sure. it. Sure. That's what this film does so brilliant, where where it's stuff that can feel kind in its nature, but under it, it feels so sinister. And the film portrays it as sinister because it's a horror film, so we know something that's, is wrong. But you yeah. just hear that stuff in general. Yeah. Like, we hear that all the time in the media, how it's uh, represented. I mean, we're big NBA players. We hear that from sports journalists mm -hmm. all the time where they say something where it's just like, oh, yeah, he's got the genetics or whatever. Like, he yeah. comes from, like, uh -huh. a lineage or whatever. Or he's just like... Yeah, it's oh, like, you oh, know, his dad was an athlete. Of course, he's going to be good. Like, you know? black is trendy. Like, some of the ideas that we hear in sports is an easy one, but it's all throughout. And like I said, this film's so interesting because what this does, it also points out that culture is so predominantly controlled by rich white people, like in general. And it tells us, you know, what to wear, what to watch, run the schools, it runs the government, all that. And that's what this film's talking about. And some of these ideas maybe aren't as heavy, but it's all exist within this film to give it an mm -hmm. overarching feeling of kind of crushingness. Yeah. Uh, and one thing also to note that I thought was really interesting is Peel makes it a point to show that in this film, white people know how to possess their whiteness to control black people. Again, that scene I think is best kind of exemplified in the scene at the end with Rose, mm -hmm. where she's like, yeah, yeah. police, like help, help. Yeah. Like she's clearly you can tell, playing. And then his face where he was like, oh, shit. yeah, he, you know? they're clearly playing on the notion of police encounters with police black brutality. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Police brutality. So it's just a lot of that stuff and it's done so well. And I think that's the strongest elements of this film. I think the story is just so well done. It's so wickedly smart and it's, way it's so scary at jason i would describe it it's not mm. a traditional horror film no but it i don't does... even know if i would consider mm. it horror like it has horror aspects like it has disturbing images and everything like but it is really more like a science fiction thriller like in essence right yeah he calls it a social thriller yeah. social commentary mm -hmm. thriller i, I believe is what that. he calls it what i think is so well about it is it takes kind of the broad outline slash strokes of horror and then just tells its own story but He's using the conventions of horrors. He's using these either uh, scary images. He's using a little bit of jump scares. He's using muke you know, music. You know, yeah, that's a that's really interesting. You say that. I thought one thing to like add to what I thought was probably the one of the strongest parts of the film. I thought the score was absolutely unbelievable. Agreed. I I think that the score is fantastic. That, that scene score... so. I think a very famous scene in the movie is when the guys, uh, the landscaper is sprinting right at, mm -hmm. at Chris and he's like getting coffee or something. He's up in the middle of the night and he was like, has to take a double take. And the score is just so like high strings, just immediately in your face. Like this came out of nowhere. Yeah. The and, sorry. The score God. composed by Michael Abyss was his name. Fucking phenomenal. It is I, a great score. God, I thought the beginning of it where it's like, it, even when they're just showing like bushes or like do, cutting to like the forest or whatever it is, and they're driving in the car, it's just so thought out, so well thought out. Everything is calculated in this movie, 
And it's just like Jordan, again, it goes back to Jordan Peele and his vision for what he wants in like this visionary masterpiece, you know? Yeah, it, he thinks everything out so well because this film does use foreshadowing quite well oh, at the beginning. Like mm -hmm. there are scenes upon rewatching because I think this is only my second time rewatching this movie, maybe really? third. I've I saw it once in theater. I probably saw it once when it came out on Blu-ray. Did you like it when you left the theater? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was okay. a huge fan of this movie. This definitely made my top five list of 2017 and i'm gonna go back later and actually talk about i think the legacy of this film and how i think it's actually probably risen a lot since oh 2017. i think it's gonna i think i think when people make these kind of movies or like kind of have like set out to make controversial you know social experiment kind of movies like this i think they're gonna look at get out for a lot of tendencies and a lot of things that they can grab from it and like learn from you know mm -hmm. I, I think that's a fair point yeah for a case everything like i said in this movie just it pays off so well mm -hmm. uh like there's just great pacing in this film again the fact that's only an hour 45 like you're in and out of this story i kind of forgot how quick this film moves you start this movie and you're on the way to the parents house and it's just beat by beat by beat i forget that uh i believe his name's rod williams yeah, is the, 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 TSA, the agent. tsa agent i forget that him and kaluuya never actually come face to face till the very end of the movie they're just talking via phone there's no setup for this friendship it is literally we are in mm -hmm. this story and it moves at a really impressive pace again the social commentary it's unapologetically blunt and it also like comes close to bordering on absurdism but it needs to be like the science fiction elements of the of the end where you know where they're cutting off sure the heads like that feels changing so, the brains and everything yeah it feels so <laughs> outlandish yet that's kind of the point because it's making the point that racism is ridiculous in its essence like it, the idea that somebody is above another person yeah is just cartoonish mm -hmm. at yeah. basically mm -hmm. and that's what this film's getting at and it does it again so much through visual storytelling it, and it makes a lot of foreshadowing towards it as well especially when chris meets the parents for the first time he goes in and the mom says that she's like a therapist or something along those lines right and then the father's a surgeon or a brain surgeon or something like that and you don't think of it but then later on once the the, the plot starts unraveling you go son of a bitch like Peel totally hinted at that and I just didn't think anything of it, right? Yeah, it is that foreshadowing. And then it's also able to use metaphorical like storytelling, like the sense of like the scene where uh uh certain Daniel Kaluuya's character Chris, he's sitting there and you think he's about to get taken in to get his head cut open yeah. by the brother, and he pulls the cotton out of his ears and you know, yep. bashes the guy's brains in. Yeah. Like that's again a very symbolic scene yeah. like the fact that he's literally picking cotton out of his ears yeah. which is a choice you made know, by peel peel like changed the fabric in mm -hmm. the chair so when he's pulling it out it, i think it's just originally like just yeah a well, normal well like, it happens because fabric. he's like he's scratching it and then like it, all the cotton starts coming out right like, yeah but i'm saying chair. jordan peel made the conscious decision mm -hmm. to change the stuffing within the chair sure, sure. to change it to cotton for the symbolic sure. metaphor did i i don't even think did have i told you my favorite scene in this movie Hold off on that because okay. we actually have a category for that. Oh, I'm really but excited to say it. I think I don't know. I don't think ours are going to be the same, which is really nice. I yeah. Let's the when I'm watching this film, I mm -hmm. think the thing, or I should say, rewatching this film, mm -hmm. I think the thing that actually shocked me the most was how good the performances were. I don't remember like I don't consider the performances the element of Get Out that I remember the most. I'm not saying they were bad by any means, but upon rewatching, I'm like, there's like five to seven actors 
giving like excellent like top tier performances. Even Lakeith Stanfield. Lakeith Stanfield is such a critical role for only like five scenes. Exactly. He's a critical critical role in the movie, but such a minor character in essence to the movie. But I he's in the very first scene, and I didn't even realize. Yeah, I didn't realize first because you don't think about it. You don't think to go back to it. It's yeah, it's all pretty well. I mean, there's so many characters like it. There's Kaluuya obviously coming in. Uh, Allison Williams, I was shocked with how great of a performance she gave. Awesome. I didn't remember that. Uh, there's the only critic, the only performance that I would criticize is Caleb Landry Jones, who plays the brother. He's a little too over the top in the film for me. He okay. is definitely like. He's a bit too much cheese in the film. I mean, he's literally playing a very specific type of college white boy. Mm-hmm. Like, not frat, but just kind of that, like, pompous a-hole is essentially his character. Yeah. And his energy doesn't fully match the energy of the other characters, specifically of that family. He almost seems too much of a wild card to exist within this family and this organization. I get that there's a point to that, the point being, like, you know, racism comes in all shapes and forms. Yeah, and I get that. This his performance stood out to me though. Okay. And not in the best ways. I okay. think it's not a bad performance. I think it's just I think, a little I misplayed. Think, you know who I think has the yeah, I thought the parents were phenomenal. They're fantastic. Keener's amazing. Yeah. As the mom. Uh, oh god, amazing. And then the dad is Bradley Whitford, who's yeah. also just like he gets to he does the kind of the opposite of the son where he gets to ham it up. Mm-hmm. But it's a very intentional, like kind of the dad humor of hamming it up, which works very well in the film. Yep. But yeah, so that's all the points. Oh, and I think we should mention Lil Rel, who plays the T uh, TSA agent. God, he's awesome. One of the funniest side characters in a movie. I think what's so funny about this character is he's literally a character that feels like he's pulled straight out of a Key and Peele sketch. Mm-hmm. Like, the humor. Like, this is where you feel the Jordan Peele T-S- humor. motherfucking A. Yeah, this is where you feel the Jordan Peele humor throughout, where it's just like... I mean, there's that scene where he's explaining it to the actual police and the detectives. Yeah. And oh, he's, like, God. sitting there, like, you know, like, I was doing my detective work, like, all this stuff. And mm-hmm. then it's just, like, they're watching him, and then they just start bursting into laughter. It is kind of a... Uh, what is that? That's a very fourth wall breaking scene because it is kind of our reaction to like that's Jordan Peele essentially pitching the movie. Like there's going to be this movie where a black guy goes on vacation with a white girl. Uh, he gets kidnapped. She tur- uh, The family turns him into sex slavery. Uh, I'm the only one who can stop it. Like that's kind of the pitch of the movie. Sure. And it does sound overtly ridiculous. And this is where I talked about like had Peel not been careful, I think this scene in particular could have just felt like him almost believing in his own craftsmanship slash hubris. Like he's almost buying into this hubris of like, I can kind of do anything. Mm-hmm. But the fact that like, it's actually well done. Like it's a very funny scene and it's a very effective scene. I It works. But had this scene just been, had the joke not landed, I think this scene could have been like, uh, this is a step yeah. too far. Yeah, I agree. I think that he leads a lot of the humor in the movie, mm-hmm. um, like like pure humor, not sat satire, not like controversial humor, but more just like humor in general. And I think if he misses on that, the movie does feel a little bit like just off, maybe, mm-hmm. and maybe just not as like like I don't really know how how to put words to it. Mm-hmm. But I do think he is a. a a great part in that movie. I wouldn't say the best part. I, I, he's a great part in that movie. I would agree. I Let's talk about the MVP of the film. 
which is I am going to exclude Jordan Peele from this list okay. because that's but it the can be obvious anything. pick. Yeah, it can be anything. It could be any of the actors. It could be even the music, sure. like the composer. It could be the cinematography. It could be anything. I'll say mine's first. I did give the award to. I had to give it to Kaluuya. Mm-hmm. Like I just had to. Like, is it his first like movie where he was like the main actor of the movie? Yeah, this is his first real big performance. He's okay. in stuff like Sicario. He's in other films. Uh, he's in uh, Johnny English Reborn. Yeah, because this is like this was his first movie, and then he this really opened the door for a lot of the roles he would get in the he... future. He's in a ton of stuff. I remember him in Judas and the Black Messiah. Right is one that he got nominated for. Yeah, his career post Get Out is kind of legendary. I mean, it's one of the best runs. So he has Get Out, followed by Black Panther is his next film. Great. Then Widows, then Queen and Slim, then Judas and the Black Messiah, then Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul, which is a film that is coming out later this year with Idris Elba, and then Nope. Like that's a pretty like crazy career. He gets nominated and wins for Judas and the Black Messiah for his portrayal yeah, of and, Fred Hampton. And you could say the same goes for like Lakeith Stanfield. Like Lakeith, he gets, yeah, he has Sorry to Bother You soon after. I think he gets cast in Atlanta. Yeah, uh, and then what's the other movie? either during this time or uh, he he's in Judas and the Black Messiah yeah, okay, again. Yeah, yeah, with, yeah, okay. Uh, it's a pretty amazing role. So my nomination would be Kaluuya. Would you go someone else for MVP of this film if I, you can't? I think if, if we're excluding Peel, I I would probably tie it between the score and Ka- Kalua. I would uh, is it yeah. Kalua Kalua Kalua? Okay, Kalua. I would tie it between the two. I do think that the score was was what drove the movie for me. Like it it kept the tension high. It kept the 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 fear there. It kept the like the morale of the characters there. I really really enjoyed it. But I thought Kalua just really set the tone for the movie right at the gate. Like what you're talking about Mm. when when it was him and Rose at the house, you could tell that he did not want to go to that house. And it's just because his acting is so fucking believable from, Mm. from like from his perspective, from a black man's perspective, from someone that was meeting for a a family for the first time. Yeah. It's all so well thought out and so well done. And I know a lot of it has to do with Peel and his direction that he wanted Kaluuya to go with. Mm. But I do think for a first role, first big performance, it stood out 100%. I would agree with that. Yeah. Then the next category I had was Rookie Sensation, which oh, is okay. like, this is their, basically their first breakout like performance. Okay. Yeah, so sure. here's the thing. You can't exclude Jordan Peele off this. This is his first directorial debut and his writing debut of a film. Wait, so you said, yes, that's going to be him? Or? He has to, he yeah, has to be I'm, the Rookie sure, Sensation. Sure. Oh, if 100%. there was anyone else I gave the award to, because I had, I, I define Rookie very much like, the traditional like this is one of their first projects lakeith stanfield's been acting kaluuya's been in films allison williams been on the tv show girls i think i'm gonna say him too you you had it wrong then because you said him oh who is it i had uh the uh betrill gabriel who's uh, that betty gabriel she's uh she is georgina the housekeeper Oh, interesting. She has to carry so much in this film Mm -hmm. because that scene where she breaks when the phone like he's in the room and yeah. like, it's like the unplug and you just see her face. Like she starts crying and then smiling and then laughing. And then like dread, like she does all these emotions and on a close up shot for about 25 seconds. And that's like really when you're realizing like something is 
horribly wrong and it sets up the lakeith stanfield scene which happens next mm -hmm. with the flash photography even yeah. better so much of the film relies on this character being where they are because she's the first character we're introduced to where you're like something's off something's mm -hmm. not quite right so i think she has such a heavy burden to carry in this film and i think as a rookie, she's able to do that so well. Yeah. So what's the TSA agent's name? Because that's who I was going to say. Uh, his name is... Uh, why do, I just had it. I just it's saw towards it. towards the top, it right? Lil Rel Howery. Okay, so Lil Rel... Lil Rel Howery. Okay. Um, he, for me, that was the first movie, and I could be wrong, that I've seen him in... Um, that he had a major role in the movie, like, but everything I just said, like, kind of reiterated, like, I thought he drives the humor throughout the movie, and if he's not in this movie, I don't think you, like, really look at Jordan Peele as a director and go, okay, like, I don't, that doesn't feel like Jordan Peele, it had to have humor, it had to have comedic relief in it, where there's a lot of controversy, and I thought he was, every time he was on the screen, I laughed, or I really enjoyed watching him on the, on the screen, I thought it's really interesting what you said, how, Daniel Kaluuya and him were never on screen together, but it really felt like they were best friends. Mm -hmm. They were never on screen together until the very end of the movie. It felt like they were they were very close. They had that humor together, and it felt you felt the like the the brotherhood there between them. You just like it. It felt really natural. Agreed. And I and it really pays homage to how good he is as an actor for his first frame role. And I know he got stuff up. Uh, uh, again, after this role, mm -hmm. I've seen him in some other stuff. I can't pinpoint it, but I know I think I he's have. in Vacation Friends with okay, John yeah. Cena. I'm yeah. pretty sure he's in that I, movie. I've seen him in something else too, but I thought it was awesome. I thought he was fantastic in the movie. Yeah, I agree. He is really good in the movie. You could easily go him again. He was kind of the thing where he's in the Carmichael show, mm -hmm. which is I. I forgot what exactly. It's a sketch show from like yeah. 2015. I think like movie wise, like. But you're right. I yeah. think this is one of his earliest movies. Oh, it's got to be. Yeah. He, he's great in the movie. This whole cast is really well. Uh, but yeah, now let's kind of jump into the, I guess, the legacy part of it. And let's just start with the first, I kind of guess, test of that, which is the Academy Awards, which oh, okay. happens. Sure. Uh, I believe it's February of 2018, honoring yeah. the films of uh, 2017. Afterwards. Yeah, so it comes out a year afterwards, which is very rare for a film to carry that type of like, you know, film comes out at the beginning of February, is able to make it all the way through campaigning and get the nomination. Yeah, that's, that's very like, rare. That's like what we're, well, um, what movie this year, like Everything Everywhere, did that come out around February? Everything Everywhere is the one film that people are talking about where they're like, it could be a film that, because it came out in April, yeah. it could be a film that transcends and makes it to the second half because usually what happens is you see the studios push it for october november december sure. tends to be the sure. oscar release date because that's when it's closest to voting season yeah. mm -hmm. for a film to come out in february and be on people's minds till voting season is pretty rare but so let's just go over its uh awards it was nominated for four academy awards that okay. year it is nominated for best original screenplay best actor best director and best picture it wins one. It wins Best Original Screenplay, which is one, a crazy achievement. Uh, one, Peel is the first African-American winner for Best Original Screenplay. And he also has relatively tough competition that year. I was pretty shocked. Okay, who is his comp? Do you remember his competition? Yeah, I have his competition right here. He is competing against The Big Sick, okay. Lady Bird, Shape of Water, and three billboards outside. So these are uh, these are the direct directors. No, this is this is the screenplay. Wow. Okay. So 
Big Sick, Lady Bird, Shape of Water, can Three I, Billboards. Can I guess what one? Because I don't remember off the top of my head. Oh, I said it. Oh, fuck. Is it Three Billboards? No, it's Get Out. Really? He wins for Get Out. Oh, he for wins Screenplay. Screenplay, yeah. This is for the Academy Awards, so... Academy Awards for Screenplay. He wins Best Original Screenplay. Okay, wow. Yeah, it's like I said, that's a good competition. And it's a weird thing because also mm. then a year later, they end up giving the award for Best Picture to Green Book, which is a film that is so... Isn't that a pretty mad movie? One, it's a pretty mad movie. It and it's on. a And it's a movie that uh, doesn't deal with race particularly well. It's mm. a pretty hamstrung attempt at dealing with the movie it's not particularly good movie though it's not particularly good but yeah so like that's a pretty crazy thing i think it is the one like if you're looking at the five like i get that's a really good slate like i think those out of the five the three that probably are going to be remembered the big sick lady bird and get out those feel like the three that will have the most cultural relevance in like 20 years yeah i don't think shape of water i don't think three will really stand the test of time. Oh no, like, Lady Bird had great screenplay. Yeah, so, I'm surprised that didn't win. Yeah, so it is. I think the right movie won with Get Out. I think that oh. is the best original screenplay. Okay, I think it fully deserved that win. And then it's also nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, and Best Actor. Best Director that year goes to Gilmore Del Toro Guillermo for Del Toro, Shape, Shape of Water. Of Water. Uh, the nominees that year also include uh, Greta Gerwig, Greta Gerwig for Lady Bird, Christopher Nolan for Dunkirk. Paul Thomas Anderson for Phantom Thread and Jordan Peele for Get Out. Do you think Peele got snubbed? That's the thing. So did he I win think, the Golden Globe for it? I don't remember. I think he did. No, I think Del Toro wins. I'm gonna look. I'm gonna look, but I think he did win Golden Globe for that. I think Del Toro wins the best director for Golden Globe. Here's the thing. I really like uh, right? Yeah. I really like uh Shape of Water. I really think Del Toro does a really good job directing that movie. I think it's a really beautiful movie. It is a movie that will not be remembered uh, in the in the long term. I think there's definitely people who are going to be Gilmore yeah. Del to- Guillermo Del Toro fans yeah. that will go D1. back oh, no, and yeah. watch it. But if you're actually talking about the films that are going to probably be the ones people talk about in Best Director... It's going to be Get Out, it's going to be Dunkirk, and it's going to be Lady Bird. Yeah. Out of the three, I don't think Peele was the one deserving to win. I think that probably is Nolan. I think mm-hmm. Nolan probably deserves to win that year. And then Best Actor, that's a hard one because Best Actor goes to Gary Oldman that year for his for the, portrayal of Winston Churchill in The Darkest Hour. Darkest Hour, yeah. That's a hard one to say that Kaluuya deserved it over uh, Oldman. I think that probably was who, the right one. Who else got nominated that year? Uh, Daniel Day-Lewis gets it for... Uh, Phantom Thread, uh, and then two other people. Oh, uh, Roman J. Israel and Timothy Chalamet for uh, Call Me By Your Name. name. Again, like I said, I think Oldman is probably the winner of that, and if I had to give a runner-up, it's probably Chalamet or Daniel Day-Lewis. So I think the nomination was an honor enough. Okay, But anyway, with that all said, I think the thing that's so interesting is then when you go to Best Picture that year, Shape you of Water won? Shape of Water wins that year. You mm-hmm. also have Call Me By Your Name comes out that year nominated. Darkest Hour, which probably didn't deserve it. Dunkirk, Lady Bird, Phantom Thread, The Post, Three Billboards, and Get Out. If you're talking about films that are going to be remembered 25 to 30 years later... Get Out is the number one. It's going to be Get Out. Get Out is going to be the number one. And then some of the other ones I think will probably have a good remembrance. I have a feeling Dunkirk will probably stand the Call test Call Me By time. Your Name probably too. Call Me By Your Name, though the Army Hammer stuff of the film now with his... Sure. Uh, cannibalism c- controversies 
might not stand the test of time. Mm-mm. Lady Bird, I think, could. I think Lady Bird probably will be talked about in like 15, 20 years. But really, if you're going by all of them, the one that people are going to be talking about in like 25, 30 100%. years, like how did this not win is Get Out. Yeah, Get I Out agree. is by far the clearest number one of these lists. I was reviewing my list of favorite films from 2017. Mm-hmm. I had Get Out in the top. I think it was my number five or six. Okay. Looking back at my list, like, it's probably Logan, Ragnarok, Thor Ragnarok, yeah. and this movie are like some way of battling one through wow. three. That's probably my list for that year Dude, of one through three. I think three. if I was picking those three from those three, damn, Logan is so, f- uh, God, phenomenal movie. I think I would put Ragnarok one, uh, Ragnarok one, Get Out two, Logan three. Yeah, I'm trying to think what I would do. I would probably have- got to be one, right? God, Ragnarok's amazing. I might put Get Out. I love Get Out. Number one. Get Out might be the number one film of that year. But anyway, we're talking about rankings. We're talking about others. And I don't want you looking at this because this one's very exciting. We're doing the Mount Rushmore, Chris. Okay. The Mount Rushmore is, uh, for people who don't understand what the Mount Rushmore is, which we're still having a lot of confusion how it works. Sure. got lost really bad (laughs) when we tried doing it. But the, the Mount Rushmore is, I'm going to say a category. Is this movie for this belong on Mount Rushmore. You'll get it as I talk about it. Sure. So Chris, I have three categories for you today. Okay. Is Get Out on the Mount Rushmore of worse meeting the parents for the first time movies? <laughs> Some of the candidates can include Meet the Parents, yep. Crazy Rich Asians, Guess mm-hmm. Who's Coming to Dinner, Father of the Bride, Mama Mia, Why Him? So you have to select, there's four movies do you think, and you don't even have to put them on the Mount Rushmore, but do you think based on this list and any other movies that you could think of, that Get Out would be deserving to be on the Mount Rushmore of worst meeting the parents for the first time movies? Yes. Yeah, it has to be. Yeah. No, like That's absolutely. like such an obvious one to me. It's like that. Meet the parents. Meet the parents, obviously. And then like, guess who's coming to dinner for the legacy. Crazy Rich Asians, I don't know if I'd put on there. Like I... It's good, but it's I don't. Good. Think I don't it, think it's on the Mount Rushmore. Yeah, it takes the tropes that a lot of oh, other romantic get out is arguably the first one I think of. Yeah, besides, I would agree. Besides, meet the parents. Yeah, I would agree. I think it gets on that one pretty that's easily. A good, that's a good question. I like that uh, one. the second one. Is get out on the Mount Rushmore of best audible reaction from the crowd when you're seeing the film. And what I mean is there's that end scene where you think the police officer yeah. is going to mm-hmm. walk out, and then it's the TSA agent. When I saw it in theaters, the crowd went crazy like erupted in applause cheers like all of that so do you think this film stands best audible reaction from the crowd some of the other nominees can obviously include avengers infinity war and endgame uh you would have uh spider-man no way home when all the three spider-men are on there mm-hmm. you probably have han solo appearing uh in the force awakens for the first yeah. time bruce Willis discovering that he's dead in the sixth sense is probably a pretty audible reaction Kevin Spacey being the villain in Usual Suspects, Dr. Nefario appearing at the end of Minions Rise of Crew. There's so many great ones that you can choose from. You bitch, you stuck <laughs> that one in. Uh, wow. Okay. So, is it the best audible reaction? It's one not, of the best. It's not. No. I would probably say no because you have to think the Spider Man probably has to be I think, on there. I think it. Uh, in Infinity War and Endgame are probably like if we put those together on the Mount yeah Rushmore, you'd have to put the Wakanda not the Wakanda sorry you'd, 
the Thor the, Wakanda one you could yeah, put on there, when but they you all, probably have to do the Avengers assemble. Yeah, when they all assemble together, I think, and, and when Cap grabs the hammer, I think like that for me is probably the, the first one I think of. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I think No Way Home is a really good one. I don't it know might I, get there, but I'm not, sure there, I'm not sure either. I think Bruce Willis being dead at the end of Sixth Sense probably gets on there. I know we weren't alive to see it. I'd have to assume the reaction in the theater was pretty wild. Yeah, you know what's a really, this is a deep, like poll, but I think one of the ones that I think of is Hunger Games when uh Peta and Katniss kiss for the first time. That for me, if you read the books and everything, like I remember in that movie when I was younger, it got a crazy big audible reaction. If you were my age, you probably remember that. That for me is one that sticks out. And it's yeah, very you, deep pull. Deep there's pull. other ones like I forgot, like Inglorious Bastards probably oh is deserving God, in there. Even once upon a time in Hollywood. You could even have like the, the scene. Thrower. Yeah, with you could even have scenes where like Neo is the one in the Matrix are yeah. like really great ones. So yeah. I would probably agree. It's would, not on the map rushmore no. for this. That's a good question though. I like this. Is this a good one? This is the third one. The I'm third one looking. I'm really proud of. I'm not looking. Is get out on the Mount Rushmore of female characters that you know are psychotic. But you would still simp for. <laughs> the nominees for this category okay. include. So obviously, this category is based on Rose, played by Allison yeah, okay, Williams. Yeah, I'm Which four? I think are the ones you say. Okay, so Rose is on there. Okay, I'm thinking about that Amy one. Dunn from Gone Girl. Yeah, she's on there. A hundred percent. Sharon Stone in Basic Instinct for the famous crossing the legs scene, revealing uh, something under her dress. Mm -hmm. Margot Robbie is Harley Quinn. Jennifer Aniston in Horrible Bosses. The TX Terminator from Terminator 3, mm. Megan Fox and Jennifer's Body, mm. uh, Eva Green in basically any movie that she plays a villain, which could include Sin City, it can include 300 Rise of an Empire, uh, and Bellatrix Lestrange from Harry Potter. So, Instinct. Oh, that's a good one. Does Rose, played by Allison Williams, are you still simping for her? I think the answer is, I'll let answer, you go first. I think the answer is yes. I think I am simping for her, but she's, it's like she's the fourth person on that list for me on Mount Rushmore. She's really attractive. Like, and in this movie, she's really attractive. And then like what happens happens and you're like, oh, but you're also like, she's really attractive. Yeah, I would put her on it. I would put her on it. I think Gone Girl is the first one that's got to be on there on the Mount Rushmore. Psychotic as fuck, but would also simp because she's like got attractive qualities and she's kind of sexy. I would put her on there. Um, I have to. The okay. Harry Potter one's a good pull. I Lilith Strange is a pretty yeah, good pull. Like, I think I'd have to go. I'd have to put Allison Williams on there. That's one. You have to kind of go Sharon Stone for the scene in Basic Instinct alone. That's such a memorable scene mm -hmm. for a lot of reasons. Jennifer Aniston and Horrible Bosses. I love Horrible Bosses. She's so like good in that movie, yeah, she's... and she's also just like Jennifer Aniston. So, she's so crazy attractive. Yeah. Uh huh. And then. Oh, there's Megan Fox and Jennifer's body is like kind of another level of just I never like, saw that movie, but I know a lot. I saw the trailer and yeah. I do remember that movie. Yeah, so I, I think those I think those are worthwhile and I think I think Rose gets on the yeah, list I think of so characters you sim for, even though you know they are psychotic. That's a really good that okay. I'm not gonna lie, Ben. Can I see something controversial? Yeah. That Mount Rushmore? It's, it's, really, my, it's really good. It is one of my yeah. new favorite segments we yeah, do on the no, show. It's really good. I love um, it. I remember last time we did this podcast together, I, I was a little confused. I think you do, you're do. you doing it well. So what I did was when we did it with Branson, I'm like, you know what? You don't even think of the questions. I'll come up with the question. Yeah. You have to react to my yeah. questions. I, I like think that. it works much better. I think it does work much better. Okay, Chris, I did a few other things. Sure. I ranked my five favorite scenes in the movie. 
and you're um, gonna I rank them like five, four, three, two, one. I'm gonna say them in order from five to one. Okay. And I want you to just react to my order sure. as you hear. Sure. So let me say my order first and then you can react. I, I think the one that I'm gonna have on there, I don't think you're gonna have on the list. Which okay. will be really interesting. My number five scene is the hypnosis scene with uh, Keener yeah. churning the oh, tea with the and spoon. then like it goes into the sunken place. That's my number five. I think the sheer horror of that, that's like the really the most horrific element of the film okay. and the most that relies on just classic Twilight Zone scares. Sure. Number four is Todd Williams going to speak with the detective uh, Leota. Uh, I already talked about how that scene is to me that just the pure comedy of the film, like that's the comedy at the heart. That is the key and peel essence of this film on yeah. screen. Okay. So that's my number four. Number three is Chris trying to escape him looking for the keys, talking to Rose and then him Where finally, the keys, Rose? and then him finally realizing Rose is like evil. And okay. she just like, her acting in that scene where she just transforms from like panicking, like what's going on, what's going on, and then he's like, he like clicks, he like he finally he realizes, realizes and he's and like he throws it back down and goes like this. He's like, where are the keys, Rose? And just her face switching within Great a second. Scene. Great performance Great from William. Scene. Number two, this one's the tough one. I just said the ending, the last twenty minutes of the film where he gets out and she gets with a shotgun out front and trying to shoot him. Yeah, that whole basically that scene. To when Todd comes to save them at the end. That's the number two scene. And then my number one scene, which maybe people are a little surprised with it. It's actually Andre slash Logan, which is played by Lakeith Stanfield, yelling, get out. Oh, it's oh, the scene oh. where the flash photography hits and he's like the nose bleeds. And then you just see him like the voice switches instantly. He's like yelling, get out, get out, like run, like all this. That's my favorite scene. That's the scene where you just realize like, how crazy this film's about to get. Yeah. And I think it just conveys everything so well. It's so just like... Oh, man. Okay. It's so shocking. Okay. So, all of those lists. One, did I include the one you mentioned for favorite scene? No. Okay. What's so yours? I, I'll just spitball a couple of them off the bat. I would agree to no particular order. I would agree with the hypnosis for sure. Yeah. I think that's on there. I think the last 20 minutes of the film is on Has there as be. well. That's that's two. That arguably should have been one. The um the scene where with Lakeith Stainfield, 100% agree. Again, mm. that's three right there. I think the two other ones that I would add, one of them being number one for sure on my list. The Another one I would add is when it pans to the uh the auction yeah the auction was the sixth like that was my honorable cut I that think, one could have easily made I it think on there it's just so the, again the music just gets so deep and so dark and it there's no words at all it's mm. literally him just putting something up and pointing and going like this and then like everything and then it's just like them auctioning off and when you realize that that they're literally auctioning off like all these like black people i'm like literally like that's the scene where the absurdism of racism is really on display. Oh, and it's 100%. also just like the shocking, again, like, cause when you hear, I think what the trailer does so well of the movie is you knew that this film was going to get dark and it was going to explore yeah. themes of, of racism. You didn't quite realize like what mm. it was. You didn't realize if it was kind of them luring them in and then something was going to happen. Mm. You didn't realize like, Oh no, they're like literally putting their essence yeah. in these people, like these yeah. black people, like, that's the scene where you're starting to realize like something like far more sinister than the film already implied is going on. And it's so deep. Okay. Like it's going on so, so much. This, this is going to be okay. Yeah, I would agree. This is going to be my, my poll that you might not agree with, but I mm. just think is my favorite scene in the movie and it's with the brother and it's when they're all at the dinner table and he's like 
talking about it is his, a really good scene. He's yeah. talking. He's like you can tell he's he's drunk. He's had wine. He's like what Ben said earlier. Very he's obnoxious. Like, frat he's, boy. he's extremely obnoxious and he's super over the top. He's like really getting in his face and he's like talking about all of his genetics. He's like, well, with your genetic makeup, you'd be really good at like jujitsu. He's like, have you ever thought about jujitsu? He's talking about the mind game again, foreshadowing to like everything that the mother does with hypnosis and everything, all the mind game stuff, like how he needs to be really strong, all that kind of stuff. You don't really realize it in the moment, but then he just it's... flips and he has him get up. And then what I love is the mom taps like the table or something. And then like he knows that he's in the wrong. And the mom, he's about to like kind of go outburst. And the mom like calms him down and everything and hides that they're all like, you know, mm. trying to, you know, hypnotize him and everything. I just thought the brother was so good in that scene. And I would agree with that, you and that take, Ben, mm. that I don't think he's great in the movie. I don't think he's, he's, uh, did I, I stand out by I, any means? I think he's. I think he's giving a good performance. He serves his purpose, you know? But yeah, I think the character itself is a little misplayed sure, in the sure. film. And I think he's the weakest of the four yeah. family members. But I think that scene for me, when you could tell that Chris is extreme, one, extremely uncomfortable, does not want to talk about that by any means. And he knows that the guy, the, the, the brother's being racist. Like, that's the, the one scene where you know he's being blatantly racist because he's drunk, you know, because he's yeah, too much Yeah, you're drink. right. It and is like his true persona it, coming it, out. Exactly. And that's the scene where Chris starts really realizing, oh, my God, like he's racist and he's coming at me and he wants me to fight him. Like he wants me to literally fight him and prove that he can be stronger than a black person. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, my God, like that's controversy without addressing it like dire directly. Right. Yeah. And I love the whole scene. I thought it was phenomenal. And then like. They go upstairs and Rose is like, I'm so sorry about my brother, all this kind of stuff. And then they go to bed and like brush it off like nothing happens. I just thought it was so well done. Yeah. I, I love that scene. I and think it's my favorite. I want to just address something because you keep using the word controversy. I, you're definitely meaning it in the way of like just like what this film is about. Not necessarily controversial to everyone more in the sense mm -hmm. of like the issue of racism yeah, I think to some is such a sore subject yeah. that they don't even want to address or yeah. talk about. I, I think it's just like, it is controversial topics that the movie dances around, but it's more like just playing it within satire. Yeah. That's how I would address that. I would but, agree. Yeah. but it is definitely has controversial the, moments. The one scene that I think I could add to the list is when you realize, because upon rewatch, you don't realize how much, Allison Williams is doing throughout the film, mm -hmm. like the scene where the, she hits the they hit the deer, and she's just non react. She doesn't react to it. It doesn't startle her because violence I didn't doesn't even startle think her. About that. Yeah, that's just another scene where you're like, oh yeah, this person's yeah. psychotic because like she you shows know, no reaction. You know, it's another really good scene. What? To add on to that is when Chris goes into the closet and finds that like on that shoe box or something. That was going to be the next scene I mentioned where you're just like, oh, that's uh, Stanfield. Oh, that's the house. Uh, no. Nope. Like that's so much of the scene is those little moments. Like even the fact, like you realize Allison Williams is emotionally manipulating the whole situation from out. Cause she's the one like, Oh yeah, we should leave. Like, I can't believe my parents are doing this. Like, let's leave now. Like all this. So, so you're genius. like, Oh yeah, she is a good like girlfriend. And then like that reveal comes because I think the first time I watched it, I actually didn't realize she was evil. I just don't understand how you think of that kind of stuff from Jordan Peele's perspective. It's, it, it's pretty it, immaculate. It, it is genius. Yeah, it, it is. is absolutely genius. If you haven't seen Get Out, like Let's one, see. what are you doing? But like two, it, it is just unreal. I know you're going to segue into the question, so I'll throw it back to you. Yeah, I. That's really the main topic of this thing. We already just we already discussed the legacy of this film. It's a film that basically then allows Jordan Peele to then make a film like us with a much larger budget budget, 
and have a $50 million opening weekend. Amazing. Like, like that's a crazy one. And I have a feeling Nope might just have that amount of success too. Like, and that's his third feature. Okay. Like that's a pretty crazy. Do you think Nope can't, I don't know know if this is a question you have planned for me, but, or for the podcast, but do you, do you think Nope uh, will be better uh, than Get Out and or Us? Do you think based off of, you know, your anticipation for the movie, the trailers, all that kind of stuff, do you think it has the potential to be better than it? I'm not going in with the belief that is going to be better. I am going into the belief. I am going in with the belief that it is going to be a film that I've never seen from Peel. So it's going to make it such a unique viewing experience that maybe while I wouldn't quantify it as his best movie per se, it is a movie that I'm going to say, this has some of Peel's best work within the film. Yeah. That's how I would quantify it. I'd be absolutely thrilled if this is like my favorite of his three, because I love us and get out. Like they're two of my, like, of the 21st century, like of specifically the 2010s, they probably both make the top 25 list. I really like both of those films. Yeah, and the, some of the acti- best acting I've seen in the past decade with Lupita Nyong'o. And yeah, us. agreed. Um, but yeah, I would agree with that. I don't think that I have the anticipation that it's going to be better, but I think I have a very open mindset that like this is going to be, again, a third movie that is completely different realm from the past two. Mm-hmm. I agree. So let's end this before we jump into some of our closing thoughts. Let's do movie pairings, movies that you would watch if you were marathoning these movies or watch as a companion piece oh, to it. Okay. So I'm, I have it broken in down t- into three categories. The first just has to be related to cast or crew. So this can be anyone who's in the film. This can be the directors. This can be like just anything that ties into the film directly with its cast or crew. I said, sorry to bother you with Lakeith Stanfield being the tie in. Hmm. I think a lot of the films, while the films are not similar, I think they are addressing similar themes. It's a film that really does deal with the uh, racism in America, how it's perceived, how white people yeah. perceive it versus how black people yeah. live it, all of these things. And it's a film that goes maybe even one step farther. And uh, uh, while I wouldn't necessarily call a ton of elements in Get Out, quote unquote, controversial, I would say sorry to bother you is because that film is not only uh, obviously anti-racist, it's also very Mm anti-capitalist. So there's a lot of things in the film that, and just for some of the scenes that happen in the film, there's a really shocking scene involving army hammer rapping Mm -hmm. that if you've seen the movie, you know exactly the scene I'm talking about. Not Army mm-hmm. Hammer. It's actually Lakeith Stanfield. But he's performing a rap for Army Hammer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Plus then what happens in the third act with a transformation. Crazy. That film goes crazy. That film goes loco. Yeah, and literally. Then, so that's mine. Would you have one for a movie pairing with somebody in the cast or crew? I mean, you could just go simple as us. Yeah, I would, I would probably like... I don't know if... Um, God, I don't know if I have one with the with the casting, um, if I'm being honest. But I do think Sorry to Bother You is a very interesting take on that. <laughs> because, again, it is a very... but it, It's a film that doesn't always work, I should also say. Yeah. Like, it goes so ambitious and crazy that it's it, it, so out it of leaves field. you, like, kind of shocked at scenes. And I found it more shocking of an experience than I found it cohesive at times. I think I walked out of the movie, like... Instead of saying, like, what the fuck did I just watch? I walked out of it like, what the fuck? Like, what? It was maybe the wildest movie I've ever seen. Like, just straight up, like, it is wild. Yeah, it is wild. 
I think that's a good pairing with it, uh, just casting wise. Um, because I have another one that like is just a good pairing to the movie in general, which will be kind of our next category. This one I'm calling like related in genre or themes or whatever the larger ideas of the movie. Okay. I said Parasite, which is the 2019 mm. uh, South Korean film that yeah. won Best Picture. Again, like Get Out, it is such a social commentary satire. It has such dark comedic undertones. It's mixed with just a great thriller vibe. It's a film that deals with some of the same discussion points. It focuses, again, more on capitalism, class relationships, and it's in, in particular, uh, inequality of wealth is one of the big themes, and just the haves and the have-nots. Mm -hmm. I think I think Parasite's incredible. I think like that's another film that is just deserving of all the praise it gets. Yeah. So that would be mine. What is yours? I think mine is a little bit less along the like track of like it's it's like a very similar style movie like uh, just in general. But I think the movie that I would pair, pair it with would be Black Klansman. I think good pick. Good I pick. think Black Klansman is. It, again, produced it, by Jordan Peele. Uh, there you go. Okay, so there we go. I didn't know that. Um, Black Klansman for me is my favorite Spike Lee movie because it has so much humor in it, and that makes sense that Jordan Peele mm. produced it. It has so much humor that beats around the dead horse. Like again, it really does. It, it, the thing is, the center of that movie is racism with like the Ku Klux Klan. Mm. So a lot of it is like in your face. But the thing is, is that. It has so much satire and, com and comedy within it that I just think that movie is like a good pairing with Get Out. And I also think the acting to go hand in hand is some amazing acting by Adam Driver and um, what's John it? David John Washington. David Washington. Yeah, the main character in it. I just loved it because like it was such a unique direction as well from Spike Lee to do it from that perspective. Um, of you know him going in as an officer yeah, to like based infiltrate. on a real story incredible it's amazing like, really good film i really like that film i think what's also really interesting about this film is i think peel and spike lee are almost like two opposite of directors oh, oh, 100%. like the thing about peel which again it's so metaphorical spike lee has never been metaphorical i'm yeah. not saying there isn't metaphorical imagery or ideas within this film but spike lee also gets to the point by the end of black clansmen of saying like no like this is bad like mm -hmm. this is like straight up like this is a parallel the klu klux klan of the 1970s is a parallel to what's going on uh throughout the country i believe in the film it's specifically talking about uh, the event that happens in Virginia mm -hmm. uh, with the Black Lives Matter where someone's killed yeah. uh, by a white supremacist and you have David Duke being in both situations. He is very much saying like, no, this is the same and you're dumb if you don't get that. Like, yeah. It's so overt mm -hmm. that I, I agree. It's a really good pairing. It's a really good film. My C, which I just call wild card, just however you want to relate it to this movie, I did Don't Look Up. Just a movie I bash on all the time. I'm un I am unequivocally bashing on the first on this 30 minutes of the movie and I hated it. Here's the thing about I don't the know film. why I hated it. I just did. I think the thing about the film is it has a lot of good ideas. It doesn't have an editor, it feels like. Like there's so many just broad, cheap jokes. I feel like it goes for cheap jokes, yeah. like Meryl Streep being Donald Trump, literally uh, making fun of Gen Z's for being uh, ruining the world, obsessed with our phones, denying science so blindly, being such an homage to what we saw in the Trump era of mm -hmm. politics. Like, I think they're so related often. 
And I think why I'm pairing this is because even though I didn't like the film, I did not like Don't Look Up. I found it to be pretty bad, actually. And its story, I just it does not work. And I think its writing is way too overt and just too angry to even actually get a point across. I think their ideas are very, not similar, but the way they go about telling a story is very similar. They have some of the same, like, we're going to address this topic. We're going to address it with humor. We're going to address it with these characters. And it's going to be so overt and metaphorically symbolic in many scenes that I just think that's the idea that the film is trying to go for. And I think it's interesting to see a director like Adam McKay juxtaposed to a director like Jordan Peele, where you get to see the similarities in both how they how their stories unfold, but also just the difference of how they choose to present their story. Mm -hmm. So that's mine for just wild card. Do you have sure. any wild cards? I haven't thought of a wild card. Mm -mm. That's what I'm trying to think of one. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there was any other films that I thought. Judas and the Black Messiah is a good one, just so you can see the pairing of Daniel Kaluuya and Lakeith Stanfield mm -hmm. again. But with that all said, do you have any closing thoughts on Get Out before we jump into our last part of the show? I just think that like it, Get Out is like such an amazing directorial debut mm -hmm. that it's like really hard to like not acknowledge like the the amount of like just the amount of excellence that went into it from Jordan Peele. And I don't know if it's like rated in the top 100 movies of all time or something like I could care less about that. But I just think that like every time I've watched that movie, I have one, uh, one scene more from the, like, uh, or I guess taken in more from the movie. And I just like found to like, you know, appreciate it more. Yeah. Each I, time. I agree. And the fact that you talked about directorial debut leads to a really natural conclusion of the show where we're talking about the five best, mm -hmm directorial debuts i have some honorable mentions so i can go first sure, yeah tell me if any of the directorial debuts or directors my... that i mentioned made your list okay so i had five on my side list okay i had seth rogan and evan goldberg for this is the end mm -mm. really funny movie ryan coogler for fruitvale station that could have made it in really easy that, that was that was my fifth one. Oh, that's your fifth yeah okay then we can talk about it now yeah i mean i just like it was the first my, I watched that movie when I was very young, and I haven't, I haven't seen it in I years. seen it in a long time. But I know how well that movie has held up. Like what a, a Get Out kind of instance. Like this, one of the reasons why I put it on here is because like I knew we were going to be talking about like Get Out. You're ten years down line, twenty years down line, you're thinking about that movie and how well it it, it is made. And in this movie, mm -hmm. it felt the same way, kind of a little bit. You it's know? crazy that that film is probably more relevant today than it, when it was came out in 2013. Yeah. It also gives us the debut performance of Michael B. Jordan, yeah, which is a pretty incredible yeah, thing. Absolutely. So that was that was your honorable. That's my honorable mention. That's that your number, my five. number five. I had Sam Mendes on my honorable mention for American Beauty. Okay. I had Olivia Wilde for Booksmart, which is a movie I think is pretty underrated funny. Oh, really? Yeah, I think that movie is okay. really good. I've seen good. that movie before. I might have to rewatch that. And then I have Quentin Tarantino for Reservoir Dogs, yeah, I have which that was on my list. close. That's on your list? Where's yeah, that's that my number three. It's, I have that number three. It could have made my number five for It's one easily. of my favorite Quentin movies. I think that's why. Uh, it doesn't really touch Inglorious Bastards. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's my favorite Quentin movie. But I think it is, like, again, it's like that dialogue heavy, in your face action humor that like really was like really stood out for me from that movie mm -hmm. i just loved it i thought it was such a good movie yeah great performances I, too. great performances it's again the what will become of quentin tarantino we're seeing the early stages of what will become of him 
So now getting to my top five, I'm curious. I have a feeling we might have one. Same. Tell me if you have this one. This one was the one where I was like debating putting it on the list, but ultimately just how much I love the movie and how impressive it is and how great of a career he's had, specifically in animation. Put him on there. I put Pete Doctor for Monsters, Inc. Yeah, I thought about that, too. I didn't put it on here because I didn't know if we were going to do animated movies, but I, I thought about that one, and Pete Doctor is so deserving to be on this list if, if you put him on there, you know? I The reason, like, because I thought the same thing. I'm like, this is a director, but it's animated, so obviously while there is a clear direction, he's also getting help from all the other people. He's getting help from the animation. So it's the issue of where this is directing stop, where the animators stop, where the story boards, all that. Where does Pixar like get involved? Mm -hmm. That's the thing. But ultimately it's such a great movie. And he is a guy that has such a distinct mark within Pixar that the fact that this is probably my favorite doctor movie from Pixar. Yeah. Oh just yeah. A pretty my favorite great Pixar achievement. movie in general. Yeah. It's if it's not, I think Incredibles is my favorite. This is probably my number two. Yes. Yeah, is what you had at five. That's or... not what I had at number five. I did have Peel making my number four. Peel oh, did yeah. make my top. Peel was my number two. Just personally. He, he could have, I had two through four were close. Yeah. Okay. So, so you said Pete doctor is yeah. number five. Number yeah. five, uh, Pete doctor, number four, Jordan Peel. I've all, we've already talked about why Peel's deserving of that. Yep. But anyway, do your five and four. So my fifth one is uh, Robert Eggers for The Witch. Good choice. He, I, I had him on, I thought about it. And then I just ultimately thought about like, of all the films on here, I'm probably going to rewatch yeah. these films first. But yeah. it's a good one because it's such a distinct style and it's such a hard film to direct oh, wow. and he does not hold your hand throughout that film. No, not at all. And we just rewatched that movie, Ben and I, together. Did you, and... had you seen it? Yeah, I had seen it before. It's okay, I had never seen it. Oh, okay, yeah. So we, I had rewatched it. It was Ben's first time watching it. And it's, again, it's not that very in-your-face kind of horror movie, but it is very unique to his style, and you really see that through his next two movies that he creates. Mm -hmm. And it, it, you think back to it, and you go, wow, like, this is a really good directorial debut for me. I had him at number five, and then, like what I said earlier, I had Ryan... Uh, I had... Oh, actually, sorry. I had... Um, Fruitvale, Fruitvale Station at five, and then I had Robert Eggers at four with the okay. witch. Number three, I'm curious if you'll have this. I, I had three. I already said my three as well. It was Reservoir Dogs with Tarantino. Okay, and then hang on, let yeah. me say my three. Okay, and then we'll be on our top two. My number three is James Cameron for the Terminator. Oh damn! No, I didn't put. I didn't think about I, that. Okay, that's it's interesting a, take. It's here's the thing. I preferred T two over the first Terminator mm -hmm. film, but it's almost impossible to deny how iconic that first. Mm -hmm. terminator film is yeah. and how much it establishes and how much it does so right with such a little budget i think it's a really good horror sci-fi less sci-fi than its next few installments okay. but i think it's a really good one and of course james cameron goes on to make a ton of great films and again it's a weird one to put on because again i think cameron does better with t2 but it does set the setting stepping stones for what is going to be another great career so that's my number three what's your number two my number two, I just said it as well, was uh, Jordan Peele uh, with Get Out. That's right. Uh, that was my number two. I think, what was your number two? My number two is Mel Brooks for The Producers. Never seen that movie, but it would make sense. I love Mel Brooks. I love that movie. Love this comedy. I think it's, I think Young Frankenstein and The Producers are his best film. And this is such a biting political satire about basically two guys who decide to make a play that they want to basically flop. So they make it about Hitler, and then they have the biggest play in, on Broadway that everyone loves, and they have to deal with that. I think it's a really funny film. It's 25 years after, twenty, no, probably like 22 years after the war has ended. So it's a very 
timely film even like for that like the fact that they're joking about hitler in that sense and they're satirizing him very similar to what chaplin does with the great dictator again mel brooks is a genius and i think like coming out of the gates with this movie just shows his geniusness so that's my number two what's your number one okay my number one is i don't think we're gonna have the same one but i it's a movie that's very recent amazing movie and it's dan kwan and daniel scheinhardt also known as the daniels for everything, everywhere, all at once. That's not their directorial debut. Damn it! They had. They lied uh, to me. The internet lied to me. Yeah, no. They, what else did they have? They had that Swiss, that movie with Daniel Radcliffe, Swiss Army Man. Was that before that? Yes, that's 2016. Swiss Army Man. Yeah, they are. That is definitely their first. Oh yeah, huh? Film. So yeah, they lied to me. Okay, so I would probably put. Okay, damn it, that was a good movie though. It was. Damn it. So are you taking something from your side list and putting them up? Yeah, putting... I would probably put. I'd probably just move Pete Doctor to number five, like That's what right. you did, and then put Jordan Peele at one. Um, there, fuck you, internet. Yeah, there's one that you don't have, but it's probably because you've never seen the film. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was just the thing of like, it was an undeniable film to put at number one, even if it's not one of my favorite films. Mm-hmm the fact of what this film is, what it inspires and what becomes of this film and its legacy and its impact on film. The fact that he's like 29, I think when this film gets made and the fact that it literally changes how films are made in Hollywood forever. The fact that it's probably the most influential movie ever made. I had to put Orson Welles for citizen Kane on there. That's mm-hmm. his first directorial I've never debut. Seen the movie. I know the movie. Yeah. I, it just had to be it for me. Like that movie's so impactful that when you're talking about directorial debuts, one, it's his best film, and two, it's also like oh. if you were to put a list of five most imp- important films in America to ever be made, Citizen King just has to be it for its historical legacy and its impact on film. Hmm. So he was my number one. Spike what? Lee's Spike Lee, which was do the right thing. Is that his first one or what? think it's do the right i don't remember if he has like a film in like 86 before school days and 88. school days is his first film 88 i'm pretty sure that's Wait, his film. Who, is that who i think it is yeah who? it's a uh, who's in that film spike lee's oh, in that force yeah john carlo who's also in do the right really? thing yeah i yeah that's a that's no i thought about spike lee too he was another good name but I was thinking that, about it, I'm like, I love Spike Lee movies. So. Yeah, I was trying to think of others, but then there's like, so for instance, I figured Spielberg would be on the list because I thought his first directorial debut was Jaws. It's not Jaws. Something, oh. he has a film before that. Uh, so there was just like some names like that where I'm like, well, of course they're going to be on there. Yeah. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. they're not. Yeah, uh, some of them have, the thing is some some directors have misses. Like, in Or the yeah, they just have like good films that aren't like great. Yeah. Like you see like a talent, it but there's not hold up, quite you know? there. They don't hold yeah. up. But with that said, that's the show. Thank you, Chris, for joining me on mm-hmm. this discussion of Get Out. Again, we're going to be seeing Nope this weekend. I'll be having a spoiler, not spo- spoiler-free review of it, probably posting either Friday or Saturday. So look out for that. And I can announce next week, Branson will be back on the show, and we're going to be talking Batman Mask of the Fantas. Sorry, Batman Mask of the Phantasm in anticipation of DC League of Super Pets. The week (laughs) after that, in honor of Bullet Train, I am talking with Teachers Talk Film, uh, which is a podcast. 
we'll be talking Once Upon a Time in Hollywood in honor of Bullet Train starring Brad Pitt. Okay. So that's our next two weeks. Anyway, thank you guys for watching. If you like this video, make sure to like and subscribe to the Beniverse. Thank you for all the support. I've been seeing it. Thank you all. My name is Ben Friedman here from Ben and Brand See a Movie. Take care. Bye-bye.